Record Collections and Recollections. Out of the Box on FBI Radio. Hey, Emily Elvish with you on FBI Radio 94.5. Streaming online or on the podcast, this is Out of the Box. It's a place where every Thursday from 12 to 1, we dive into one guest record collection and pull out the stories that have shaped their life. Today, my guest and I are broadcasting from Redfern, which is on unceded Gadigal land. I would like to pay my respects to Gadigal elders, past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to any First Nations person listening in. Out of the Box is a program where we share stories through music. First Nations people have been sharing their stories across this country for millennia, and I am privileged to be doing so today. Wherever you're tuning in from so-called Sydney, this land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. If you've ever tuned into FBI Radio on a Thursday morning, you'll be very familiar with my guest today. As one of the co-hosts of Kings and Queens on Up For It, you would have woken up or driven to work alongside them, sharing queer news events and chatting to some of the most influential voices from so-called Sydney and beyond but their impact extends so far beyond the panel. As a broadcaster and founder of Worship Queer Collective, they work tirelessly to empower queer and BIPOC voices throughout the community. As a musician, producer and performance artist, they fearlessly push the boundaries of electronic music, bringing traditional Southeast Asian soundscapes into the hyperpop space. I am so excited and honored to be joined by Dian, hi today. How are you? I am super excited to be here. Thank you so much because I know a lot of people or musicians get opportunities like this. So thank you. No, I'm so privileged and honored to be joined by you today. I'm so excited to be diving into some of the songs that you brought along with you and some of the stories you have to tell. I'm sure there's a lot to dive into. But I would like to rewind the clock a little bit and look at some of your earlier years when you visualize your childhood, what do you see? What did it look like? Oh, when I visualize my childhood, I think I was, um, you know, I, I grew up in Malaysia in a small town called Ipoh. Um, fun fact is where Michelle Yeoh grew up as well. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so they're officially two icons from Ipoh. <laughs> <laughs> officially, on the record. Yes, we love it. Um, yeah, so growing up in, you know, in a, I'm Chinese, growing up in Malaysia, so like, and growing up knowing that I'm queer, you know, not like your typical kid growing up. So it's it's quite an interesting childhood having to navigate a lot of things in quite a conservative culture and country where, um, yeah, I mean, I, I did enjoy my childhood, like I had the freedom to like, learn the piano and like music music was a huge part of my childhood but at the same time i was like i did feel like i couldn't fully express myself and even after i moved to australia because i know that you know there are a lot of very important issues and protests going on because the way i was raised in malaysia we've always been raised to be non-confrontational and you know even like we don't talk about politics because it's such a taboo and like you could get arrested and you know so i had to like unlearn a lot of those things after i moved to australia so like yeah so there was definitely a very interesting time yeah absolutely and you talked a lot about you said that you learned piano and violin when you were growing up 
What was your earliest memory of music from that time? My earliest memory of music? Um, I think I started playing the piano when I was like six or seven. Um, I was classically trained. I finished all my grades and then I started playing the violin, also classically trained. Um, and then I fell in love with pop music. I <laughs> have like early memories of like listening to all these pop divas because um, like if you go to like Asia especially like Southeast Asia we, we love the divas we love the the Whitney's the Mariah's and the Christina's you know there's that's a huge part of like music in like the 2000s you know is massive so like I remember like listening to all this really camp and like really gay music like Spice Girls and everything so like I feel like that really influenced um, you know my music taste growing up um, yeah, and I didn't really do any type of music production or songwriting until I moved to Sydney. Yeah, beautiful. And were those songs like the Christina Aguilera's, the Whitney Houston's, were they just regularly on the radio and just kind of filtering through that time? Yeah, yeah most most songs on radio were definitely like mainstream, like top 40 US, like music from the US. And like sometimes we'd get like, you know, Spice Girls and all of that. So like... Um, I was, yeah, because at the time, like, you know, what the music you consume is just all through radio and like, you know, sometimes you'll see music videos on TV, um, heavily censored, of course, <laughs> being in Malaysia. Um, fun fact, it actually took like three or four attempts for Charmed to be aired in Malaysia. Wow, I didn't yeah, know that. Because it's like witchcraft, you know, really sexy witches. So it was like... Yeah, it took a while. Yeah, I remember us like waiting for this series and it took a while for it to finally get approved. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it about these artists and this kind of music? What drew you to those songs? Yeah, um, I have to say, like, I, I have to give you an example. Um, I, I remember, like, I was obsessed with Mariah Carey, <laughs> Mimi, um, growing up. I think like a lot of music that I listened to in my, um, you know, early years or teenage years of discovering my sexuality and like just understanding sensualities. I feel like a lot of it was listening to female artists um, and, you know, because um, th there are no... Um, I, I didn't have any queer role models to look up to in Malaysia. Um, it, like even local artists or like the community, queerness is such a taboo. So so for me, like, uh, you know, um, a lot of these female artists, they, they end up being queer icons because they're so unapologetic with their sexuality. And I feel like a lot of queer people or gay men get drawn to that. So I feel like my early years was definitely like I was really into um, those artists and understanding my like sexuality and gender I was like hey I don't want to be like the guys who are into Mariah but I want to be Mariah <laughs> you know <laughs> don't we all <laughs> and I love that you brought up Mariah as an example because uh, Mariah Carey song is the first track that you've chosen to play today you've picked honey from your record collection why did you choose this song uh, um, because I remember, like, I remember watching, you know, the hero music video and the song, and then she went from hero to like, honey, and it was so 
open with the sexuality, there was like a transformation. And I was just like, wow, like for me, I think I was really drawn to how liberated she was when she, you know, stripped and jumped into the pool wearing skin tone bikini, <laughs> really hot music video. Um, yeah, I think I was really drawn to that. And like, there was like my, you know, being like, I don't know, like 10 or 11 or something, really starting to learn about these things and didn't really have role models or the type of education that would expose us to like, you know, sex or sexuality. I was like, oh, like, this is pretty cool. Like, you know, just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really drawn to that. Let's dive in. This is Mariah Carey with Honey, picture from the record collection of Deanne's High. We'll be back on the other side of this song. If you're listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. back listening to out of the box my name's emily elvish and i'm joined by dean tai in the studio today we've been diving into their record collection and taking a look at some of the stories from their early life but dean i'm really interested to know tell me about your first experience exploring creativity and performance my first experience um i think in school um Back when I was in Malaysia, I was kind of always on stage playing the piano or playing like classical violin. Um, yeah, but I didn't really start singing until maybe like in high school, but I didn't really do much of it, um, to be honest. Because like, I, I feel like with performance, um, even when you go to like, even when I do go back to Malaysia sometimes, I feel like um, the music industry there is still very, uh, they, they still f focus a lot on like pop music, a very vocal driven music, um, which is the kind of music I grew up listening to, very top 40 sounding stuff. Um, I mean, obviously it's a bit more diverse now in terms of like the, 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 the scene in Malaysia, but like in terms of like my experience with music and performance I didn't really um get to get into that until I moved to to Sydney and part of the reason why I moved to Sydney is because I wanted to fully be able to express myself as an artist and I wanted to um you know create art and create music that's that speaks about my authentic self you know and that was very important and and I remember when I was little I I always knew that I wanted to leave. I always knew that I always knew that I was censored in in Malaysia in terms of like so many aspects of my life cuz queerness is it's who I am, right? You know, I I would you know, I, and I and I do respect people in in like, you know, in migrant country uh, people are from migrant backgrounds or like in different communities around the world where they maybe they choose not to come out which is totally fine for different reasons for different cultural values or for safety that's the most important thing especially for like trans people um but for me like I, I i wanted to be an artist i wanted to be a musician and i worked really hard i studied really hard and i got a scholarship um to move to sydney 
um, and then I was able to fortunately stay here and and started performing and writing music the way that I'm currently doing. Yeah, and was music what you were studying when you moved to Australia? No, random fact. I, <laughs> <laughs> I actually did um, an honors degree in biotechnology. Wow, oh <laughs> so random. Not a lot of people know that. So it was four years, like in the lab, like doing studying genetics and like. Oh <laughs> um, but I've I was always always doing music on the side, and mm. I suppose in a way like, um, that. Uh, you know, if you're a musician listening to this, like I, I am currently a full time like seven point musician. But for many years, I was, uh, and one day I might go back into having a part time job, full time job because it's so hard. Like you shouldn't. There's there's so much shame and like you should be 100 percent committed to music. But to be mm. on, like if you live in Sydney, you know that's not possible. Yeah. Um. So I think I, ever since I was little, I, I kind of like needed a, a backup plan or like something that could pay the bills, and that's just kind of like maybe something that was growing up with like <laughs> in the Chinese family because we're very materialistic people and I'm allowed to say this because I'm Chinese <laughs> always like money is so important like you gotta you know um make sure you've got savings and so all of that was like it influenced me and I and I was like okay and like, I need to study this I have a job that allows me to like live and like and also um I'm the only one here in, in Australia, everyone else is family. everyone yeah. else is back home in in Malaysia. So if anything happened, I've only got myself to rely on. Mm. Um, yeah, so so I, I so to answer your question, I do have a degree, um, not in music, but in um, biological sciences. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when was the was there a moment for you where music became less something as you were you were doing as a hobby and something you were like oh I could do this as my career yeah so for me that that turning point was um I it was only like two two to three years ago um I'm really glad we're talking about this because I've always had a full-time job or like or just a job that makes you money to pay the bills like uh, I mean music can be full-time as well because there's so much you can do if you depending if you have the time for it. I think it was, um, it took a while for me to build up the confidence and the skills, right? I think it, was, it wasn't until um, 2020 or 2021 when I was um, successfully chosen as one of um, the generation's music fellows, mm -hmm. which was, um, I think it's once a year where they only pick three musicians in the entire New South Wales. And we got like a residency at the Powerhouse and Ultimo um, with, uh, you know, a mentorship with Astral People. And um, we also got $25,000 as during that six month residency and during that six months i spent i spent a lot of time with astro i spoke to them and i kind of got i think i found myself at the time i started taking myself more seriously and learning about the industry and what it means to be a musician and not just what it means to be a musician but also what i want to do with my music like what what is my purpose um you know, I, I don't want to go too sound too deep, but I recently was listening to a um to an audiobook by Viola Davis, and she said something about you either leave 
something for people or you either or you leave something in people so i'm like wow like this kind of always how i would describe my music and my live shows like what i want to represent when people what i want people to know, learn when they see me on stage yeah it feels like this moment of reconnecting all these different parts of yourself which you'd explored over all these years and really crafted and honed in on which i can imagine was a very cathartic process for you yeah, I, I think the biggest part of it was um, I, I had to I had to sit down and fully accept myself. I think the moment that where there was a shift, I, I feel like, you know, for a lot of people or creatives or like or when you when you're facing when a lot of doors close and there seem to be no way to move forward. Like, I think my I was able to shift my mindset when I finally said to myself, hey, like, if all they can say or remember is I'm too gay or too Asian, you know what? I'll make sure they remember me for it. So I became like so unapologetically, you know, in my presentation and, you know, exploring Chinese operatic makeup and like I sing in Chinese and Malay. So I think doing all of that um, was healing for me. And and as I continued doing that, um, community... Uh, you know, people resonated with that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm so excited to look more at your practice um, later in the show. But let's dive into your second song that you brought with you today. This is one by Britney Spears. It's I'm a Slave for You. Iconic track. What memories do you connect with the song? <laughs> I'm going to laugh because like, <laughs> I don't know if you usually hear Britney on FBI radio, but... I picked this song for you because <laughs> um, this is when I I think I was like 12 or like 14 or something like starting to hit puberty and like um, this song was like came out and I was like, oh my God, like Britney just went from like a schoolgirl to like having a snake around her neck. And I remember this is like my first time, probably my first time kind of exploring like my sexuality and like gender as well because i i pretended to be britney i i wrapped like a scarf around my chest and like wore like really low jeans and i watched all the music videos and the live shows and i was like trying to learn the i'm a slave for you choreography but like please don't ask me to do it because I don't I can remember <laughs> how, to, how to do the dance. Well, I'm so excited to dive into this track. This is Britney Spears with I'm a Slave for You, chosen by Dian Tai, my guest today on Out of the Box. You're listening to FBI 94.5. I know I may be young, but I've got feelings too. And I need to do what I feel like doing. So let me go. And just listen. You're listening to Out of the Box on FEI 94.5. The song you just heard was Britney Spears with her classic track, I'm a Slave for You. And it was chosen by Dian Tai, who is my guest on Out of the Box today. We've been chatting about through your stories, through your record collection. And we've talked a little bit about when you moved to Australia and reconnecting with music and your practice after arriving, I would love to know what that adjustment was like for you when you first moved to Australia. You've said it was something you always wanted to do. Yeah. So ever since I was little, I wanted to, I, I will always remember like wanting to leave 
um, Malaysia. I mean, I, I do I do love my childhood. I do love the people um, and and all the memories that I I have, and I'm really proud of it. Don't get me wrong, I'm really really proud of it. Um, but I I wanted to because I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to live authentically as a queer person. I didn't want to like hide my identity. So I work really hard. And to be honest, I I remember when I was like seventeen or eighteen, I was like. You know what? It doesn't matter where I go. Like I just wanted to get out of here, um, and I worked really hard, and I got a scholarship um, to to then study in in Sydney. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, it was like a huge adjustment because that was the first time I left the country. Was to move wow. <laughs> to another country. Oh, that's such a big jump. Yeah, and I was like. Eighteen or something, eighteen or nineteen. Um, yeah, so this is bringing back a lot of memories because um, I I always say that um, being Chinese and growing up in Malaysia in Southeast Asia, we we know that. Um, I really hate to say this, but like having lighter skin in a lot of. Um, communities, like especially in Asia, is always like deemed to be more attractive. Like because so that's why like this, like in in Thailand, Malaysia, there's always like all these skin whitening, bleaching, and it's commercials everywhere, procedures to get your skin lightened because everyone wanted to have lighter skin. So growing up in Ch- as Chinese in Malaysia, so I'm I'm well aware of my privilege. You know, growing up. Um, Being a lighter skinned Chinese person in Malaysia, um, but then when I moved to Sydney, it 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 I kind of I you know being so young and just coming out and learning about sexuality, learning what it means to be attracted to people, and learning to feel good with my body and accept my body. I think that was the biggest thing, you know. To come to think of it, like I think at that time, coming out is about feeling good with who you are and how you look as well. And being, you know, queer, presenting as a gay man, like we're so conscious about our appearance, you know. Especially like we're talking like ten years ago, and now people are talking about body positivity, body neutrality, and like, but those words did not exist when I moved here. So it was all about like. And all I had was Oxford Street, so it was like muscle gaze, and like, so it was it was a huge thing, like to 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 adjust to that environment because suddenly from, you know, ha- growing up in Malaysia where I, someone who presents the way I look, you know, having lighter skin, you know, and then coming here being Asian, like I experience a lot of sexual racism. So for me. That was a unfortunately a huge part of my coming out in in my early years was I had a lot of those bad experiences and in terms of adjustment that like that was a huge thing like that I had to adjust to it effect really affected my confidence you know um, people are not as vocal about it on dating apps but when when we first had like. Apps like Grinder or whatever, like a lot of people were putting things like no rice, no spice, no Asians,、oh、no femmes, or like 
no whatever and 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 like sometimes you know and i didn't expect you know i didn't expect sydney to be like this mm. when when i moved here i i didn't know this is what i was getting myself into so it definitely took a period of like huge adjustment I'm still adjusting and you know I don't have the answers to everything and I don't, I don't pretend to have the answers to everything. I think we're still all healing and learning how to navigate um in these situations, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that and being so vulnerable. I can imagine you've talked about having very little queer representation growing up and then having that as one of your formative experiences in queer spaces once arriving. I yeah, thank you so much. That would have been a really, a really tough situation to navigate. What were the feelings and emotions that you were kind of navigating through in, during this time? Um, it like it, I think it was really complex because number one, I just moved to like a Western country, white Australia, <laughs> and trying to like learn and adapt to the culture here in Australia with like I was already like had to deal with that and and on top of that like come out and be comfortable with my sexuality gender identity um and then experiencing rejection you know sexual racism I it, it was a lot I feel which is why I always say that like um yeah having the intersection of being a person of color and and being queer as well it's 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 definitely it's it's hard it's hard you know i think people have to if if you're listening you know right now and you can relate uh, you should just be proud that you're here and and you're surviving and you're doing your best every single day you know sometimes you just have to try your best every single day and should be proud of who you are yeah. And it's so beautiful that you are honoring that experience and the work you're currently doing, especially with Worship Queer Collective. You've created such a beautiful space for people and it's so incredible to see how important it is to so many people now. So thank you so much for all the work you've done. You you know what? A, a lot of people th thank me. Uh, you're not the first. It also comes from community and from people who attend our events, especially queer Asians. But I all like, honestly, I I have to th thank them. I have to thank the people who are part of the community because for all the reasons that I've described earlier, I I found community. I find my healing in 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 community and in you know when I put on an event I see people come in and being proud of they come in like for example we recently had a queer lunar near event and seeing like queer Asians come in wearing the traditional Cheong Sam or Kipa or, or their Vietnamese outfits or whatever they feel comfortable in their culture like for me like I'm so proud of seeing that you know I'm I can't believe people are thanking me for it because I should be thanking them and in many ways I've I've gotten I've received so much love from community and I I feel like part of my healing um and my acceptance is through like 
through them. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, so it goes both ways. Yeah, both ways. Of yeah. course, of course. I would love to dive into the next song that you brought with you today. This is a track by Alex Gaudino. This is Destination Unknown. Tell us a little bit about the song. This song is um, definitely like I, I consider it to be a, a club banger. As a DJ, I still play this track now. Um, but this, I first heard this track um, in you know on Oxford Street in the gay clubs when I first came out. So I just wanted to. So I've chosen this track because it represents the time and I was mm-hmm. like going out every weekend. You know, g- getting shit face and like just hooking up. <laughs> you, you know, going out to hook up like before dating apps. So like this song will always bring back memories of that. <laughs> Let's dive in. This is Alex Gaudino with Destination Unknown. You are listening to Out of the Box and FBI ninety four point five. You're back listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. My name's Emily Elvish. I'm joined by Dee and Ty today. We have been sharing stories and sharing moments from your life, Dean. But I'd love to dive into your work in music now and particularly your work in the electronic space. What inspires you about it? Yeah, um, I, I draw a lot of inspiration from... Um, electronic pop, electronic hyper pop music. Because um, as a, as a music producer and a, as a DJ as well, I mean, I listen to all different types of music. But I'm really into like, um, like feature bass, experimental electronica, a bit of breakcore, um, anything that falls into like the electronic like you know um, genre. I really love and listen to. But I always try to bring in elements of the traditional Asian soundscapes and traditional Asian instruments, Southeast Asian instruments that I grew up listening to. And I feel like a lot of a lot of times it's, you know, two, two reasons. Like, number one, I always feel like non-Western sounding music is always placed in this world category. It's like, what is world category? It's like non-Western music, you know? But I feel like all these sounds from and all these instruments from different parts of the world, it can be merged and fused with electronic music or pop music, which is what I'm trying to do with my songwriting and my art form. And um, yeah, the other part of it is, you know, when I was in the cabaret and performance art space, I was making a lot of performances that would tell stories about my queer identity and cultural identity, kind of fusing those things. And it's kind of, and I still continue doing that with my with my releases and my music. So yeah, so that's what I'm really inspired by. Yeah, were those stories something that had always been a part of your work? Um, I think I have always been interested in exploring those things but it wasn't until I found my community and realizing how important it is especially for people of color to to kind of reclaim your narrative so I wanted to make art that tells my story and a lot of my live shows are performed in Chinese operatic drag also because I wanted to show that drag has existed in so many cultures around the world. 
Yeah, and we've talked earlier in the show about how the music that you make now and the art that you create is very reflective of all these different parts of your practice that you've been honing over the years and it's ended up in this really beautiful cathartic process for you but that didn't come until later in your life did it yeah um yeah i'm really glad we're talking about this because um i only started producing music um in my late 20s um i'm in my 30s now um because like I, I moved to, to to Sydney like when I was like twenty or twenty one or whatever. And I was just saying like, you know, during the break that my I feel like my entire twenties was spent, you know, working three to four jobs. When I was doing my honors degree, I was going to uni every single day, doing um in, in a lab, writing a thesis. At the same time I was also working at um, a subway as a sandwich artist. <laughs> I'm a certified sandwich artist. <laughs> um, I was doing open mic nights, um, you know, learning music, like learning, doing vocal classes. Um, so my, so I would spend a lot of time doing that. And the next thing would be like, once you finish uni, I was trying to find a job in a very competitive space and while trying to still support myself and do music. Um, and then it would be like working towards getting my permanent residency and then getting my citizenship. So I, I, I feel like to think of it, I feel like music for me is a luxury that I did not have in my early and mid twenties. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until, um, I think 2020 or 2021, when I was fully able to, and I also consciously wanted to go hard and like really learn how to make music, really explore music production and learn how to make music that I want to make. Cause I used to just work with producers. Um, yeah, I've, I always, you know, if I can share with you, Em, I always feel like we're in a society now and, and also the music industry I feel like we're so obsessed with youth and we're so obsessed with like the next big thing. It's almost like we always say, and, and I know that a lot of female artists tend to experience this more, but once you're in like your mid twenties or late twenties, like let's not even talk about when you're 30 years or above. Like, I feel like you're, are you like too late? To, to be in, in, in music, like you can't be the next, I don't know, like Taylor Swift or whatever. Not that we aspire to be <laughs> Taylor Swift, but like, you know what I mean? It's like people like, the, you know, the really young artists. And, but for me, like it wasn't, and I feel like for a lot of migrants and people who come from different backgrounds who, who have to move around and different social economic background, music making was, is a luxury that I could only afford like l later in my life if you feel like you haven't gotten it and you're just like in your 20s like honestly like music is something that for me it's i continue to learn like even now it's you never stop learning yeah absolutely there's such a bravery in curiosity i feel like and that's such a testament to the work you're doing now and continuing to grow and develop your practice as part of that i am so excited to dive into this next song that you've brought this is by Yenu Arienda can you tell us a little bit about this track 
Yeah, so I, um, like I was saying, I love making um, music for live um, shows. And I usually prefer, I don't want to say, I, I prefer make, be having the opportunity to write music that's not like a pop structure, a typical pop structure. And this song is one of the songs that was my inspiration. I have a playlist um, of inspirations and I this is definitely a track that I was listening to a lot when I was composing music for my first headline show Permisory which um, prim, you know had a soft launch um, last year November um, so excited for you to hear this I love this track I've seen these guys live at Carriage Works so it's like experimental electronic with a lot of the um, I think they're from Indonesia so a lot of that Malay Indonesian like Southeast Asian soundscapes so. I'm so excited to listen in. This is a pick from DNT's record collection. This is by Yenu Arienda. You're listening to Out of the Box on FEI 94.5. back listening to out of the box this is fbi 94.5 my name's emily elbish i'm here talking to my guest today dian tai we've dove into so much and explored so many parts of your life dian and a lot of what you've been chatting about on the show has been finding community in australia and navigating the space that you've kind of been thrust into since moving here and this is all leading really beautifully into your work with Worship Clear Collective and I'm really interested to hear from your words why this space was needed. Yeah um with worship right um we we initially started as a queer cabaret that curates performances based on queer spirituality and queer culture and then it evolved into a queer asian movement um and we're, we're not the first because they're actually bigger queer asian movements around the world like there's bitten peach in la uh sorry bitten peach in london and there's bubble tea in new york and they've been around much longer and i think it's probably inspired by that so like, why don't we have our own queer Asian collective? But then the question why that's needed is number of reasons, right? First, we wanted to, I always say as part of our mission to diversify the arts and nightlife scene in Sydney, because for selfish reasons some of the founders including myself maybe we might have felt like oh look at this lineup it, there's like one person of color or sometimes none and we wanted to and part of the reason would be like you know we're always like trying to get on these event lineups to be part of someone else's event to be part of someone's dj lineup or drag lineup or live music lineup and i was like why don't we just do our own thing? 
a very important thing that we've started to notice as we continue to put on these nights. Um, we created this really sacred space like no other in Sydney where our artists, all of them identifying as queer and Asian, um, and we created this space where people feel comfortable exploring performances and creating art that speaks about their queer and cultural background. You know, um, and and this year, like uh, just to give you an example, we had um, Dragon Balls XL, our Queer Lunar New Year um, celebrations, and for the first time, we expanded. You know, the celebrations we took it to Melbourne in Narm as well, and the performance were. I it all it always brings tears in my eyes. I I I'm getting so emotional and getting goosebumps talking about it. We had people like perform, like whacking. You know, it's like a dance. Uh, you know, I think it's like uh, yeah, different styles of contemporary dance, and one person did a whacking performance to a Vietnamese track, and we had people like perform. You know, um, music that is mixed with like Chinese dialogues, and for me, so powerful to for me to witness that because, like I was saying earlier. A lot of my work and practice is about reclaiming our narratives, and for me, worship is is all about that. You know, it's a space for you to perform these works and for people to see these works that you won't see anywhere else. Like, you, you know, a, a lot of times when you go to a space that is not like run by community or run by people of color, like it, you might not feel very comfortable, and it's 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 always a different conversation that you have with people and. Um, I'm just really proud that this is what worship has become, and we've developed this really special place for people to be able to practice their art and and find family, find community. Thank you so much, Dean, for joining us today, and thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story and just being present with us. It was such an honor. Oh, <laughs> thank you for having me. I made me blush. Um, <laughs> honestly, I say like. You know, um, as I'm a uh, now, I've started using the word self-made. Um, I used to say self, you know, self-managed, self-made um, musician. Um, and I was, I would always say that I was saying that not a lot of us get opportunities to to share like this. So thank you both so much, and thank you FBI for having me today. I think it would be really fitting to finish on your song Ni Hao. Thank you so much again, Dean. You've been listening to Out of the Box. My name's Emily Elbish. You'll be listening to lunch after this. I said how you're doing, mate, but you answer me how. I said how you're doing, mate, but you answer me how. I guess how you're doing, mate, but you answer me how.